One way to increase our chances of success is finding a workout buddy, team, or group. Research backs up what we inherently know. They're working out with others helps us stick to our goals, boosts performance and accountability, and is more enjoyable. You may have experienced a runner's high caused by the feel-good hormones called endorphins, released when working out. When working out with friends, the body tends to release an even greater amount of endorphins, leading to improvements in our mood. When we leave a workout feeling satisfied and joyful, we are more likely to incorporate it into our regular schedule. Hey guys, it's Equal Man. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. That clip you heard at the front is a reading from my new book, The Focus Project. It's a clip from the Audible version. And for many of you that have been listening to the podcast, you know that we've been giving away clips, usually in 10 to 20 minute segments of my book, free on this podcast. So I hope you're enjoying it. Most importantly, I hope it's helping to entertain, educate, empower yourself or someone in your life that needs to focus better. On this show, I always talk about posting it forward. It would mean the world to me if you were to post it forward today by going to Amazon, getting a copy of the paperback or Kindle version, or maybe the Audible full-length version, and sending it to a friend. Just remind that person. It's an easy, simple way on Amazon. They get it the next day. Just, hey, I'm thinking about you. And hopefully you're able to focus in this unfocused world, especially during these ever-changing times. So without further ado, here's the rest of the Super You podcast. There's no doubt that my health routine was officially in Rutsville. I wasn't alone. All of us are on a different fitness journey. Some of us might be joining a gym for the first time with the desire to shed a few extra pounds, while others are trying to complete their first ultra marathon. With one's health, like most aspects of life, The key to progress is setting a goal and mapping to it. A tangible goal would help break my rut. I'd fallen into the bad habit of not setting goals for my workouts. I'd been going through the motions. It was just me and the weights or the hotel elliptical machine. Having played team sports most of my life, I missed the camaraderie and social interaction that these team sports bring. After much consternation, I landed on the following. Number one, be able to do 100 push-ups straight, no stopping. I wanted a tangible challenge. At 6'6 and 6'7 on a sunny day with long arms, a 37-inch sleeve, my body is built for sports like basketball, rowing, and swimming. It's not built for snowboarding, being a jockey, or doing a lot of push-ups. On a good day, I could probably complete 40 half-ass push-ups in a row. So to get to 100 would be challenging. Number two, play in a tennis league. While a volleyball league would be much more team-oriented, I knew with my travel schedule I could not be a reliable teammate. I played basketball in college, but in high school, I was on the tennis team, and I wanted to pick the sport back up. A bonus, we could learn and play tennis together as a family. I decided to join a tennis league to meet and compete against other players. If time allowed, I could also team up with someone to compete in doubles matches. Know thyself, know thy weaknesses. 
We all have a friend who's in the shape we want to be in. For me, this is my friend Bill, who hopefully doesn't get a big head over this. So I asked him how he moderates junk food. His response, oh, I learned a long time ago there is no moderation. My weakness is anything salty, especially at night. I laugh when I read things like just take a portion about the size of your fist to satisfy a craving. Well, for me, that doesn't work. I either have none or finish the entire bag of chips. This was fascinating to me as I suffered from the same affliction with certain foods. It turns out that most of us behave this way. Greg McCown, the best-selling author of Essentialism, states, Most of us aren't very good at moderation. When I cut out sugar from my diet, I had to completely cut it out, 100%. Otherwise, I would always make an excuse on why it was okay to eat something with sugar. It's the holidays, it's my wife's birthday, etc. Number one best-selling author Brene Brown expresses the same conundrum. I've learned I don't do well with moderation. I can't simply nibble from the breadbasket, so it just has to be a no. My main weakness is dark chocolate-covered pretzels. Just like Bill, Greg, and Brene, I don't do moderation well. I can't just have three chocolate pretzels. It's either none or the entire bag. Chocolate pretzels are now on my don't have anywhere near the house list. The best system for me is to avoid purchasing them. The same holds true for Girl Scout cookies. I cannot resist the Samoans or Caramel Delights depending on where you live. Now when I buy Girl Scout cookies, I instantly gift them to friends. It's like an adult game of hot potato. A eureka moment for me is know thyself, know thy weaknesses. Poor little Wilma. A girl entered the world in a poor part of Tennessee. From the beginning, the odds were stacked against poor little Wilma. At age four, she was paralyzed from polio. A doctor gave her a special brace and mentioned she'd never put her feet on the ground. Her mother told Wilma that with persistence and faith, she could do anything she wanted. Wilma smiled and said, I want to be the fastest woman on this earth. Against the advice of her doctors, nine-year-old Wilma removed the brace. She took the first step, the step doctors said would be impossible. At the age of 13, she entered her first race and finished dead last. She entered other races and continued to come in last. She wasn't giving up. She soon turned these last place finishes into first place finishes. At the age of 15, she met a track coach at Tennessee State University. She told him, I want to be the fastest woman on this earth. Wilma continued to work hard day and night. Eventually, she was racing against a woman named Juta Hine. Hine had never lost a race. The gun sounded in the 100-meter dash, and Wilma crossed the tape first. The same thing happened in the 200-meter race. They were then the respective anchors of their teams in the 4x400-meter relay. They each received the baton to carry from the third runner. The only problem was that Wilma dropped the baton. Wilma saw Judah shoot out ahead. She picked up the fallen baton and raced her heart out, beating Judah for the third time that day. That's the day in 1960 that a paralytic girl named Wilma Rudolph made history by winning three Olympic gold medals and became the fastest woman on earth. Wilma didn't focus on what people said she couldn't do or the odds stacked against her. She focused on making her impossible dream a reality. Comparative trading and triggers. 
Earlier, I briefly mentioned comparative trading, which is applicable to most endeavors, including fitness and maintaining good health. For example, on a flight to Paris, I asked myself, do I want to eat this airline's below average gelatin dessert? Or would I rather skip it so I can enjoy a chocolate croissant or croissant at a sidewalk cafe in Paris? No brainer, chocolate croissant on the streets of Paris wins every time. It became almost as if I were channeling Einstein's theory of relativity, but through the lens of food. It's all relative. Negative food triggers. On the drive home from a family gathering, my wife made an observation. I wish my cousin would avoid bringing up topics like politics that always trigger unpleasant conversations. The key word in that sentence for me was trigger. Yes, triggers. If I could somehow limit the triggers to my bad eating habits or pitfalls in my health, that would be a huge win. I asked friends to define their eating or health triggers and whether there are good triggers or bad. I was fascinated to learn most people know their triggers. Here are some of their responses for their triggers. Drinking beer is my trigger. With beer, I crave anything salty, especially corn chips. The bad part is too often this is late at night, which is one of the worst times to snack. My trigger is being cold. If I'm at one of my son's football games and it's cold out, I start eating anything that is warm. And at a high school football game, that means hot dogs, giant pretzels, or nachos. Another person's trigger was stress. She said, when I'm stressed, that's a trigger for me to easily eat an entire gallon of ice cream. It only provides short-term relief. In fact, I'm more stressed later about having inhaled a gallon of ice cream. For me, like others, the triggers are easy to identify. If yours aren't easily identifiable, carefully journal what you eat and you'll start to see a pattern. For me, my negative food triggers, one, coffee, two, red wine, three, watching sports. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was in my mid-30s. However, age doesn't lessen the fact that I absolutely love coffee. It's my favorite drug. I love everything about it, from the process of making it, to the smell of it, to the feel of the warm ceramic cup in my hands as I slowly sip and stare at the horizon as the sun rises. Note, okay, with two young children, this happens only a few times per year, uh, but it's nice to fantasize that these Zen moments are regularly occurring. This month, I noticed that it was rare for me to simply have a cup of coffee. I wanted to nibble on something while enjoying my coffee. That's when I realized, Eureka! Nothing healthy goes well with coffee. Here is my list of items that go well with coffee. Croissants, chocolate, muffins, scones, cookies, waffles, pancakes, cakes, cinnamon rolls, dessert. Did this mean I was going to get rid of coffee? Heck no. Coffee was worth it. But it did adjust my behavior around coffee. At home, knowing these triggers, I had multigrain waffles with my coffee instead of a decadent giant Belgian waffle. Instead of slathering on butter and processed syrup, I used almond butter and pure honey. The coffee and waffles are on my worth it list. This is an example of replacing an existing habit with an improved habit. Then there's my wine fix. I'm not a big wine drinker, but I do occasionally enjoy a glass of red wine. Red wine for me is similar to coffee. I never drink without pairing it with food. Fortunately, not all foods that go with red wine are bad for you. For example, grapes, nuts, apricots. My problem is always gravitating toward eating two pounds of cheese and crackers and a giant bar of dark chocolate. This is where I reach for my handy-dandy, is it worth it barometer. If the wine isn't that great, I don't finish it. A sunk cost is money that isn't coming back. So why double up 
the mistake by drinking something that doesn't taste good and comes with a headache in the morning. Eureka moment. If it isn't worth it, it just isn't worth it. Buddy up. One of the most common New Year's resolutions is to lose weight. Yet approximately two-thirds of adults are overweight or obese. The science shows that not achieving our weight loss goals often results from a lack of setting specific goals and recording our progress. While this seems easy to do, it's not so easy in practice. One way to increase our chances of success is finding a workout buddy, team, or group. Research backs up what we inherently know. They're working out with others, helps us stick to our goals, boosts performance and accountability, and is more enjoyable. You may have experienced a runner's high caused by the feel-good hormones called endorphins, released when working out. When working out with friends, the body tends to release an even greater amount of endorphins, leading to improvements in our mood. When we leave a workout feeling satisfied and joyful, we are more likely to incorporate it into our regular schedule. One particular study found that 95% of participants who began a weight loss program with a group of friends completed the program and were 42% more likely to maintain their weight loss goals following the program. The reason for this isn't based on support alone. We tend to imitate the behaviors of those around us. This is partially attributed to the Kohler effect that states that no one wants to be perceived as the weakest link in a group setting. In the 1920s, a German psychologist, Otto Kohler, set out to test how working in groups affects the performance of individuals. He asked the Berlin Rowing Club to do standing curls with a 97-pound weight until they were too worn out to continue. Kohler then put them into various groups and tasked them with lifting one weighted bar cooperatively. The weight was twice as heavy for the two-person groups and three times as heavy for the three-person groups, so when one member of the group stopped lifting, the rest of the group could not continue long after. Kohler discovered that when in groups, the weakest athlete could withstand significantly more reps than he could individually. Additionally, the larger the variance in physical ability between the athletes, the higher the motivation to persevere for the weaker athletes. Today, we recognize this discovery as the Kohler effect. We see the Kohler effect all around us. For example, when paired up with a more physically fit exercising partner, participants increase their plank time by 25%. Even if you feel content working out individually, challenge yourself to a group exercise session periodically, preferably with people in better shape than you. Bad habits need good replacements. Studies show that when we stop a bad habit, we need to replace that habit with something else. This helps explain why many people gain weight when they quit smoking. They replace smoking with eating. Or an alcoholic might become maniacal about running once he quits drinking. Replacing a bad habit with an equally damaging or worse habit is useless. If I broke my waffle eating habit by eating chocolate cake or snorting cocaine, I would not be heading in the right direction. Once I identified coffee as one of my triggers, I actively sought to replace it with something else, at least occasionally. A Japanese friend recommended replacing coffee with a warm cup of water. Definitely not as tasty, but it was a healthy substitute that at least gave me the same feeling and warmth as drinking coffee on my no-coffee days. Interestingly, research shows that women benefit more from this placebo effect, a warm cup of coffee as a replacement for coffee, than men. I still drink coffee on most days and eat waffles, but I no longer do it every day. I wasn't striving for perfection. I was striving to get better. Perfect is the enemy of growth and greatness. We aren't seeking perfection. We're seeking progress. 
This show is produced by Jake Brin, Maritza Gutierrez, and Kelsey Gomez, and it's made possible by you, our listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Obviously, we have these shows that we do at the beginning of the year. It's the third year we've done it. It's where we give you tips and clips from the number one bestseller, The Focus Project. But obviously, we have our regular show. Those are me sitting down with guests. That might be me talking about some late topic that we get a question on, whether that's artificial intelligence, or it could be I get interviewed on another show. Or some of our more popular episodes are when we have seven super tips or we sit down with guests that we interview or get tips from Elon Musk, from Jeff Bezos, uh, from Miley Cyrus, on down the line. So again, tune in each and every week to the Super You Podcast. We're trying to do more than one show a week, so let us know how that's going. But until next time, this is your host, Eric Qualman. A lot of you know me as Equal Man. Reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it's what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Oh, yeah.